My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 85 fight card, giving you my picks, predictions, and bets. But before I do, let's look at the last card that we broke down. Jacob and I absolutely crushed UFC 297. We dominated. His underdog lock of the week hit. My premium member safety parlay hit. The rest of the bets did very well. The picks did very well. And overall, we had a very successful night, giving you multiple units of net profit multiple units of net profit on the sketchiest card of the year, the sketchiest card in quite a while, a combined ROI of 31%. What that means is you got all of your money back from every single bet that you placed, and then on top of it, you got 31% net profit. If you spent 100 bucks, you got $131 back. It was a very successful card for us. I know it wasn't as successful for a lot of other people, but for us, we did quite well. And one of the things that did really well was the premium member safety parlay. And this does well overall. I am very proud of this. I invented the safety parlay. I own safetyparlay.com. And the reason I am so proud of this is, as we all know, betting on UFC is risky. It is the most volatile sport to bet on. You want to bet on football, baseball, basketball. There are generations worth of data to help those bets. Generations worth of insight. Those are team sports. One single punch can't ruin a bet for you. One single Mike Malott can't ruin a bet for you. And that's what makes betting on UFC so risky. Literally anything can happen. Favorites don't matter. Underdogs don't matter. One single punch changes the world. But the safety parlay continues to be a shining star of stability in this space. It hits at a 70% event rate. The lifetime ROI is 29%, which is astronomical when we talk about betting on UFC. And we have hit eight of the last nine parlays put on the board. If you want to unlock the safety parlay for UFC Vegas 85, it is up right now. And you can get it at wewantpicks.com. Just click become a member. It's only $10 a month. Not only are you going to get the safety parlay, but you're also going to get tools insight picks and more one of those tools is the line movement tracker the line movement tracker is going to give you the opening odds the current odds the win probability and the line movement for every single fighter on every single card this card specifically we have a couple of weird trends going on here that we'll break down one of those is julius dolirenko opening as an underdog likely closing as a favorite we'll talk about that fight but i'll tell you right now here's a peek into the window don't bet on that damn fight remember malcolm gordon if you didn't learn your lesson in Malcolm Gordon, I don't know when you will. Do not bet on Julius Stolyarenko, but we'll break down that fight in a minute. You're also going to get the detailed data metrics and analytics. This is 38 columns of information. You're going to get things like the takedown percentage, the takedown average for offense, significant strikes landed, the amount of significant strikes that a person is hit with. And you can use all of this information, all of this insight to help find your spots. Certain sports books like DraftKings and Bet Online offer... Prop bets like most significant strikes landed, most takedowns landed, they set lines. And you can use this data, use this insight to find your spot on those bets. 38 columns of useful information for every single event that is up and ready to go. Not only do you get this big complicated spreadsheet with these random colors, you also get it on the website. We slice and dice it into digestible information. You can see the fighters last five. You can see the odds. You can see their biometrics. All of it interactive, ready to go, waiting for you. But wait, there's more. You're also going to get the draft Kings optimizer. If you don't know what DraftKings fantasy is, you basically build some fantasy lineups like fantasy football and you compete against other people that built similar lineups within a budget. This optimizer builds fantasy lineups for you. We have had well over $400,000 of winning tickets sent to us by people who have used our tools, our insight, and people that have used the optimizer. This optimizer will be preloaded every week with the best DraftKings ownership projections in the game. That is an objective fact. That is not a subjective number. It is literally the best number in the game. And if you play DraftKings Fantasy, you know how incredibly important this ownership projection number is. And if you look across the top of this graphic, you're going to see sources. Those sources are companies like Osimo, like Roto Grinders. We track what they do. We compare what they do to what we do. And we quite literally have the best ownership projections in the game. All of this is included in our $10 membership. But wait, there's more. You're going to get other analysts as well. Not only is it the new Slim Angelo, the new Dry January Angelo. I'm giving you the profile because, yep. You're also going to get Artem breaking down far more than UFC. He's going to give you PFL, Bellator, LFA, 
contender series, you're going to get the pick doctor. This is a human being that has developed an artificial intelligence. That artificial intelligence, that AI, which we have named pick GPT, picks fights based solely off of historical data and it does it very, very well. But you're also going to get the MMA minute. He's got 30,000 on the ticky tocky and you're going to get running mouth MMA. There are three of them giving you picks, bets, round line leans, insight, and more. So overall, you get all the tools. You get the safety parlay. You're going to get eight analysts worth of picks, bets, and round line leans. And all of that is available in one beautiful package for only $10 a month. You click a button, every single bit of it is available instantly. There are not tiers. We will never raise our price. And basically what I'm trying to do is to create a premium where nobody else can sell anything. You're going to try to sell your bets on a Patreon for $10. Why would anybody sign up for that when they can get better bets and more over here for $10? You're going to try to sell your data for $10. Why would anybody do that? We have the same data and more here included in a larger package. We want picks.com. Click become a member. It is only $10 a month. That's all the paid plugs. Here's a free plug. If you would like, please follow our socials. We are literally on every single social platform, including Rumble, which I don't have on here because we just added it literally right after Barstool went to Rumble. I was like, okay, Barstool is probably going to bring some of our audience as well. Let's go ahead and get on Rumble. So we on Rumble as well. We will be live streaming and doing all the things there. You can follow all of our socials. We are literally, we want picks on every single one of them. And then on YouTube, we have a second channel which is called Picks Nation. We would appreciate if you subscribe there. The Discord is 100% free. You will unlock special channels and alerts, things like that if you're premium. But for now, the overall Discord is free. And if you would like to send mail, you can send it to this address. For every single pay-per-view event, we film a vlog. And in that vlog, we go get the mail. We open the mail. We've gotten letters that we read on screen. We've gotten shirts that we wear. We support small businesses. We do all the things. Here is the address. If you'd like to send something, you can. And let's go ahead and break down this card. Where'd that intro clock in at? Ooh, seven minutes. You people are not going to like that. Let's go ahead and break down UFC Vegas 85. I've already broken down this card, and there weren't any fight changes, but I did change a pick or two, and I do have far more bets now that this has uh, settled down, now that we have the round lines and more. Now... Opening up the UFC Vegas 85 card, we have heavyweight prospect Thomas Peterson taking on Jamal Pogues. Thomas Peterson is a solid wrestler. He's going to work everything from big bear hugs to actually shooting doubles. His striking is not very good, but he does close that gap with just straight punches while marching forward. And when he gets you against the cage, he's going to be very busy in that clinch. If Peterson cannot take anybody down, if he can't take you down, he's in big trouble. Because I mentioned his striking is not very good. But if he can take you down, he's got phenomenal control, very good ground and pound, and he is hard to shake. He's coming off that second round submission win on the Contender Series, which earned him this UFC shot. He's taking on Jamal Pogues. This guy's a busy heavyweight who always seems to be throwing something. He's got solid volume and sets a decent pace. He does not have heavyweight power, though. Big guy, 6'3", heavy, does not hit like a heavyweight hits. He can grapple, though. In his first contender series fight, he had seven takedowns, and on the regional scene, he had a whole bunch as well. He's not particularly dangerous, but he does set a really nice pace. He can work everywhere. He is coming off that loss to Mick Parkin, where he did look uncharacteristically sloppy, and he had several poor takedown offense. I am going to go Peterson here. I'm going the prospect here. As we know, the UFC sets up certain matches for a reason. Does it always go their way? No. Go check out Mike Malott not being able to survive another 20 seconds. Does not always go the way they want it to, but they set these fights up on purpose. This fight is set up to A, test Thomas Peterson, and B, see if they can get him a win so that they can uh, throw some juice into this heavyweight division. This is exactly what they just did to poor Jamal when he fought Mick Parkin. And basically what the UFC is doing is like, hey, Jamal's pretty good. So let's give him some of these up-and-comers and see how good the up-and-comer is. They're using Jamal as sort of a testing device. With that being said, I do think Thomas Peterson is going to pass the test. Jamal does have solid striking, but I don't think Jamal's going to be able to defend these takedowns. And Jamal does not have that big one-punch knockout power that you can rely on if things are not going his way. It's not as if he's going to get taken down a bunch of times or taken down the first round, held down, survive second round. Ooh, they're starting on their feet. Anything could happen. Doesn't matter. He doesn't really have that power. Thomas Peterson's striking absolutely sucks, but his wrestling should be good enough to get Jamal to the ground and to win this fight. Thomas Peterson is the pick, and I do have a parlay with him 
which I will tell you about right now. Next up at UFC Vegas 85, we have Landon Quinones taking on Markel Madera. I say Quinones. It always reminds me of that guy from uh, What Would You Do? Where they like put a kid in a coffee shop, like some skinny dweeb, but basically Jacob. They put him in a coffee shop and they have some kids walk in and bully him like, hey, you ginger, Jacob, nice freckles, dork. And then they see who around them will go in there and, hey, hey, you don't talk to him like that. It just reminds me of that guy because I believe his last name is Quinones as well. So what a random tangent that was. We have Landon Quinones. I, I would like to think that if I was in that situation, I would, I'd be, hey, hey oh, 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 don't talk to that kid like that. And I think I would. I've, I've actually done shit like that before. Not in a coffee shop because what the hell would I be doing in a coffee shop? But anyway, I'm, I don't. I should edit this out. This is ridiculous. We got Landon Quinones taking on Markel Maderos. Markel Maderos is good. Markel Maderos is a very good striker. He strings together combinations well. He throws up a ton of volume. He's insanely comfortable in his fights and he flows very well. He is primarily a striker, but he can grapple. He's got some slick takedowns, slick takedown defense, slick submissions. He is a touted prospect. He made a splash on the contender series. He had that big knockout over the much larger Issa Isakov. This guy's only 28 years old, and I guess that's not that young. Or sorry, 27 years old. I guess that's not that young, but he fights well beyond that. He looks like he's 30-something in the cage with his composure and his ability to make things happen without panicking. He's taking on Landon Quinones. Landon Quinones is a pretty good striker himself. He's got flick wrestling. He's probably going to call himself a striker. You watch a bunch of interviews and you can just get that vibe. And he has mentioned it before. I'm a striker. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a striker, but he is a slow starter. It can take a while for him to gauge the rhythm, but once he does hit that rhythm, he can work in takedowns really well. He gets his hands going. He lowers his level, and he shoots clean shots when he shoots takedowns. They're not desperate. They're usually well set up and usually result with some heavy top pressure if he ends up on the ground. He is well-rounded. He can definitely have some success in UFC, and despite being thrown in there against Nazrat Hackpress in his UFC debut, he actually looked pretty good. He survived. Did well, had a couple of days. Let's put it this way. He did much better against Nazrat Hackbrass than Jamie Malarkey did. And Jamie Malarkey is an UFC fighter that has been around for a while. Landon Quinones popped off the ultimate fighter thrown in against Nazrat Hackbrass on short notice and actually made it a fight. And a lot of people are going to look at the records. They're going to see that Landon lost to Nazrat. And a lot of people aren't going to watch that fight. They're going to move on. But as I've been alluding to, you should watch that fight. Landon Quinones actually looks solid. He landed well. He defended five takedowns in a short-notice UFC debut against one of the, I don't want to say names, like Nazareth's not like super famous, but one of the guys that's been around for a little bit that has been somewhat of a prospect. And that matters here because it is a testament to his composure and his takedown defense. Despite the praise for Landon, I'm still going Markel here. His composure dangerous striking, and more importantly for this matchup, his takedown defense, his ability to take somebody else's offensive takedown, stuff the head, work the hips, and then Markel ends up on top. All of those skills are why I think he wins this fight. I'm confident in Markel to win. Obviously, be very careful. He is a young guy at 27. This is his official UFC debut. This would not be the first time we saw something bad happen to a UFC debut. We just saw it. A few weeks ago, was it two weeks ago? And I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to try to remember names, but we had a young prospect. I said, I got one bet and that's it. I'm not doing all sorts of crazy stuff. He's not going to be the backbone of a parlay because you can't trust some of his UFC debuts. Similar situation with Markel. I do think he wins this fight. I do think he's very talented and he is the other half of that Thomas Peterson parlay. But that's it for me with Markel. He is not going to be in multiple parlays. I think the lesson that we learned last year, we, the collective community, is you cannot be overly exposed to one single fighter. I had a Mike Malott bet last week. I had him in a parlay with Jasmine. Obviously, that parlay didn't cash. But if you go back and you look at the slide at every single bet that we had, that was the only bet I had on Mike Malott, which is why we were up units. Where there were plenty of people that were like, well, this guy's a guarantee, and they would just add him as a, fourth, fifth, sixth leg to a bunch of random parlays because they thought he was a short thing. There are no short things in this sport specifically. Be very, very careful 
with your exposure levels to specific fighters. I trust Markel. I'm going to put my hard-earned money on Markel, but I'm only going to do it one time. I'm not going to be overly exposed to a 27-year-old UFC debut. Then we have the most interesting fight of the day. And when I say interesting, I don't mean like... I just mean the Twitter community, the betting community, seems to think that this is going to be their cash cow. They seem to think that Julius Dolorienko is going to get them rich. Those very same people and that very same energy was just applied to Malcolm Gordon two weeks ago. And how did that work out? Somebody said, I talk to people like a middle school science teacher. That is what I'm doing. I am talking to you like a teacher. What happened, guys? Two weeks ago, what happened when you were so confident in Malcolm Gordon and you spent your money? What happened? He's a shit fighter and you lost your money. Can you look at Julia's record? Can you watch her fights and tell me she is also not a shit fighter? No? Then don't bet on her. Let's break down this fight. We do have Luana Carolina taking on Julia Stolarienko. Julia Stolarienko is dangerous. She's a very slick grappler on top and off her back. Her striking does suck. It is sloppy and she is very hittable. You can see that with her negative striking differential of three to five, which means she lands three punches. She gets blasted with five, but she is willing to brawl. She does have some heavy kicks. When she's on top, she's insanely dangerous and has fantastic control. When she is taken down, she can throw up a Hail Mary armbar, but outside of that, not much to offer. She did move down to 125, and at 125, she looked incredible. She just absolutely dismantled Molly McCann in under two minutes. But if you're going to use that fight as the reason to spend your money on her, let's remember how shitty Molly McCann is, okay? She's taking on Luana Carolina. She's a striker. She's got solid takedown defense. Not the most technical woman in the division, but she is fantastic in the clinch with knees and elbows. She's got a Muay Thai style without that Muay Thai stance. The way she blasts is great, but she doesn't have this Muay Thai stance. She has very good takedown defense at 76%. And when she does get taken down, she's busy and working for submission. She is coming off that prospect busting, prospect busting win over Ivana Petrovic, where she doubled the strikes and had a takedown of her own. And I don't mean to be condescending. I'm, I'm literally trying to help everybody here. You know how many messages I got after the Malcolm Gordon win or loss? Thank you. Oh, thank God. I just, I understand picking Julia Sterlianko. And that's what I'm going to do here. I'm about to tell you, I think Julia wins this fight. Because frankly, we did see Luana get taken down a couple of times in her last couple of fights. And frankly, if Julia gets Luana Carolina down, it's going to be a problem for Luana Carolina. And Julia did look amazing in her last fight. She looked physically fantastic. And she bullied forward and she got it to the ground and she worked Molly McCann. Based off of her last fight alone, Julia Stolarenko looked amazing. Her greater body of work, not great. Not great. And I'm going to pick Julia to win. Because Luana Carolina has been taken down many times, eight times in her last four fights, to be specific. And if Julia takes her down, that's a big time problem. But let's zoom out. Let's look at this fight as a whole. Luana Carolina is the overall better fighter. Luana Carolina has the better UFC record. Luana Carolina dropped Priscilla Cachera in the win. She beat Lupe Godinez, who would smoke Julia Stolarenko. So my point here is Julia can win this fight. There's a path. Get the takedown, win the fight. That is her path to victory. And I do think she does that. But there's not a world where I spend money on that. There just isn't. Learn your lesson from the Malcolm Gordon fight. Yes, you're going to see fights. You're going to try to chase really good odds. You're going to be like, this is basically close. And at one point, she was an underdog. Now she's the favorite. That's, I think she wins. How could I not bet on this? Look at these odds. It's just not worth the risk. My opinion, and by no means am I an expert. My opinion is, I look at the fighters. Do I think somebody can win? Yes. Are the odds reasonable? Yes. Is this fighter a good fighter? That is the, the either the first or the last step. Is this fighter a good fighter? It's typically the last step for me because sometimes styles matter more than overall skill set. And this doesn't pass that test. Is Julia a good fighter? No, no. 
She just isn't. Can she win this fight? Of course she can, and I do think she does. And this rant can get sliced and diced a million times over if she does win, and that bet does cash. Congratulations, I'm picking her to win as well. But is it worth risking that money? Learn the Malcolm Gordon lesson. That's the longest rant I've ever done in a random undercard fight. But I'm just trying to help. That's all I'm doing. Giving up my Sunday mornings to help the people. Then we have Blake Builder taking on Zhang Yong Li. I watch Blake Builder on Instagram or we follow all the fighters that we break down. We tag him in everything we do because, hey, talking about you, tag you in it. What I will say is he's got very slick grappling. You watch his Instagram reels. He's flipping and swirling, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I grapple as well. <laughs> Just so you know. Um, how this guy doesn't have a constant staph infection is wild. The gym that he trains in must be 400 degrees. I have never seen more fluids on a mat in my entire life. And I've spent 20-something years around mats. Wrestling mats. Jiu-jitsu mats. Now cheerleading mats. And I have never seen that much fluid consistently on a mat. Go watch some of his Instagram reels. It, it's just like soaked. It's crazy. Crazy. Anyway, we got Blake Builder. He is an aggressive grappler. He's a busy striker as well. He's going to shoot when he gets the opportunity. And he's going to control you on top. He explodes on the ground. But he doesn't necessarily take unnecessary risks. Meaning, he'll explode to get mount. He'll explode to sweep. But he's not going to chase a submission that's not there and then lose a position. He can strike as well. He's got a pretty loose style, but he can be hittable. He is coming up that loss to Kyle Nelson where he went 0 for 3 in takedown attempts and he just could not keep up with Kyle's striking. He's taking on Zhang Yong Li. This guy's very well-rounded. He's got a loose striking style that he manages with range as well as solid takedowns and grappling. He's very long for the division and he uses his length well by walking people down. He can be hittable because he keeps his hands pretty low, but he's got a solid chin and he does have his own grappling as a backup plan. He is coming off his first official win over Yiza, where despite having five takedowns and eight minutes of control, it was a split decision. This should be a close fight. And Builder definitely shit the bed in his last fight. Definitely shit the bed. But I do like him as an underdog here. I totally understand Zhang Yong Li being the favorite. He's dangerous. He can grapple. He has some power in his hands as well. But he's small. And I think Builder can bully him. We obviously going to need Builder to pressure forward. He's going to need to stay busy striking. He's going to need to threaten the takedowns. So hopefully the loss to Kyle Nelson like triggered some things. Hopefully he's going to come forward and say, okay, I need, I need more pressure. I can't let Zhang Young Lee dictate. And if he does that and he comes forward and he puts on the pressure, he bullies the smaller Zhang Young, I think Blake Builder can win this fight. Ultimately, I do think size matters, and I think Builder squeaks out a win. Then we have Temba Garimbo taking on Pete Rodriguez. If you remember, Temba Garimbo is the guy that The Rock bought an apartment for. He bought him an apartment. The Rock saw his story said, you know what? I love this guy. I'm going to buy him an apartment and set him up. At least we know he will have a roof over his head. And good for The Rock and good for Temba. I've seen some negative comments, which honestly blows my mind. I've seen some negative comments like, oh, The Rock virtue signaling. Who gives a shit? We love this sport. That's why we break it down. That's why we watch it. That's why we argue. That's why everybody gives John Anik such shit because we love this sport so much. So when we get to see a fighter blessed with an apartment, why would we hate on that? Good for Temba Garimbo. Good for him. He's a pretty good fighter as well. The guy's a distant striker. He manages range well. He picks his shots. He's very long for this weight class, and he uses that length to keep you at bay. He's typically a counter striker, but he can charge forward at times when he sees his openings. He's got solid takedown defense where he widens his base, and he makes his opponents carry his weight. He also has solid offensive takedowns, which we saw so cased in his last fight against Takashi Sato, where he had a knockdown, three takedowns, and he got his first official UFC win. He's taking on Pete Rodriguez on short notice. And when I say short notice, what, two weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks, something like that. So it's not insanely short, but Pete Rodriguez was not the original opponent. This guy is a brawler. He throws bombs. He comes forward no matter what. He only has six professional fights, but he did manage to get a UFC win under his belt against Mike Jackson. Pete is powerful, but he is sloppy. 
Anybody with some clean technique is going to run right through him. He is coming off a couple of failed weight-making attempts against Natan Levy. He most recently failed that weight fight. The fight was canceled. It was a disaster. I can't believe Pete Rodriguez didn't lose his job over that. But he is up at welterweight. That was at lightweight. They moved him to welterweight. And maybe he will be feeling magical in this fight. And I can't believe Pete is still in the UFC. I just can't. I honestly I can't believe it. I thought for sure he was going to be cut. The last one was a debacle. I mean, it was an absolute sloppy mess. The fight was canceled. It was, it was just so unprofessional. Either way, he is coming in here on somewhat short notice. They're giving him a little bit of a step up, trying to make up for the uh, past letdowns. And if this fight happens, which it might not, but it's at welterweight, so we should be good here. I just don't see Pete winning this fight. He's a regional guy who has power. He throws hard. He can knock people out like he did against Mike Jackson, but Mike Jackson is also a trash fighter. So that knockout is not anything special. Temba Garimbo should win this fight. He should be able to control the distance, avoid any of those big looping shots, and then pick Pete apart from the outside, even work in a takedown or two and win a decision. What is interesting here is the betting line on Temba Garimbo. It collapsed on itself. It opened at minus 350, which was, I saw it, I'm like, that's ah, it's probably a correct line, but I'm not going to lay out that kind of money. He is fight. Pete Rodriguez does have power. And now it collapsed all the way to minus 234. If that line continues to fall, I mean, I'm not going to bet it now. I'm going to watch it. If it starts to rebound, then I'll heavily consider betting it. If it continues to fall, then I'm going to keep an eye on it. When I think it's at its bottom, I will bet on it because I'm that confident in Timber Greenberg to win. If you want to keep in line with that betting line, if you want to monitor the line. If you want to be alerted if and when we place a bet, just become a premium member. Go to wewantpicks.com, click become a member at the top. One of the tools is the line movement tracker. You can track the line movement for this spite fight specifically, not spite. Well, I should bet on them at a spite for Pete Rodriguez, bum. For the fight specifically, you can monitor that line and as soon as it makes sense, you can jump on it. As soon as it makes sense, I will jump on it. I will throw that in the Discord for premium members, and premium members will get an alert on their phone saying, Angelo just placed this bet. If you like it, great. You can jump on it as well. If you don't like it, you put your phone down, you move on, but at least you knew. Wewantpicks.com, click become a member. You link your Discord on the account page, and if you want to see the line movement tracker, just click on tools in the menu. There's a whole list of all the tools that we offer. Then we have Charles Johnson also stepping up on somewhat short notice to take on Azat Maxim. Charles Johnson, a little bit of a skid. A little bit of a skid. Stepping up on short notice might not be the wisest decision when you're in the middle of a losing skid, but I do think he's a gamer. Charles Johnson shows up. He comes out here. He tries to win fights. He's not afraid. He's busy. But this is going to be a tough fight. He is a busy technical striker. He's got pretty good takedown defense. Really nice hand speed. He's got nice output of almost five significant strikes landed per minute. And he can keep that pace up for 15 full minutes. Outside of a stoppage over a returning Jimmy Flick, we've not really seen power in his hands. And he has given up three fights in a row. In all three of those fights, Charles Johnson was backing up and being taken down. But most recently, he got smoked by Rafael Estevan where despite landing four times the strikes, he landed four times the strikes that Rafael landed. He was taken down three times and he gave up nine minutes of control. He's taken on Azat Maxim. This guy is fast. He is dangerous. He's got a pretty well-rounded skill set. He can pick people apart on their feet with technique. He can drop them with power. He can out-scramble them. He can out-wrestle them. And he can out-grapple them. He is genuinely one of the more talented guys that the UFC has signed in 2023. His composure is impressive for a 29-year-old. He has beaten every single style of fighter. Meaning, we've seen him beat wrestlers. We've seen him beat strikers. We've seen him beat jujitsu guys. If you go through his regional tape, he has a whole myriad of success stories. And obviously, he's 17-0. He is coming off a very close decision win, though, over Tyson Nam, where he had solid pressure. He did showcase his chin. He was blasted, and Tyson hits hard. But he may have exposed his wrestling a little bit. He went 2-for-11 in takedowns and only had 22 seconds of control time. And when Charles Johnson... First signed with the UFC, we talked about how talented he is, how he can hang with UFC-level fighters, and how good of a signing it was. But he is now 2-4 and four in the UFC. 
One of those wins was a bad split decision win over Zalgas, and the other was a very real definitive win over Jimmy Flick. So he has only beaten Zalgas Umagulov and Jimmy Flick. I mean, Jimmy's still in the UFC. He is coming off that win, but, I mean, you saw that fight. Jimmy, Jimmy Flick? I don't know if this means that Charles Johnson isn't necessarily UFC level or if Charles Johnson has just had some really, really tough matchups. And I actually do think it's a tough matchup thing. Charles Johnson obviously has a very clear skill set, but he does seem to struggle with the wrestling. Azat is no slouch. I think Azat wins this fight. And unfortunately, I think it's going to punch Charles Johnson's ticket in the UFC. What I will say, though, is you're going to need to take Charles Johnson down to beat him. Azat's not going to beat Charles Johnson in a volume striking match. That's just not going to happen. So he's going to need to take him down. His takedowns did not look very good in his last fight. I personally am going to chalk that up to UFC debut, a couple of jitters. Tyson Nam is very, very good. And I'm just going to go ahead and say Azat Maxim's a very good striker, very good wrestler, and he should win this fight, and he's going to use his wrestling to do it, even though his wrestling didn't look great in his last fight. But I would be very careful betting on this fight because Charles Johnson, despite the skid, has all the tools and all the experience to win this fight. If Azat Maxim goes two for 11 and only has 22 seconds of control time against Charles Johnson, he's not winning that fight. He's not going to win that fight. So Azat Maxim is going to be the pick. But you'll notice, I don't have any bets on here. And full disclosure, when I first saw everything, like the the card, I was like, oh, it's that Maxim, safety parlay. Charles Johnson just can't seem to win a fight against wrestlers. That's it, done. And then when I did the tape study and the breakdown and all that, I was like, ooh, shit. Ah, let's give Azat Maxim another fight and see how he is before I start throwing him in the safety parlay. So Azat's the pick. No bets from me, although... You know, pretty confident he'll get it done, but I'm the conservative guy at We Want Picks. Then we have our featured prelim of the evening. We have Molly McCann taking on Deanna Belbita. Featured prelim. And this actually should be a fun fight. Molly McCann is always in fun fights, except for the one time that she thought she was a wrestler. Outside of that, she's always in fun fights. You can see that. Six significant strikes landed per minute. That is a busy, busy fighter. She's a fun, aggressive striker. She likes to fight dirty. She likes to fight in the pocket. She doesn't have a ton of power, but she does have two incredible spinning back elbow knockouts in the UFC. And while she prefers to stand there and bang, she does have some decent takedowns. They are well-timed, and she uses them to secure rounds. She's mostly a decision fighter, but she's technically sound and has plenty of cardio to push the pace. She is coming off the submission loss to Julia Stolarenko, where she only landed six significant strikes before being submitted. She's taking on Deanna Belbita. Deanna is also a striker, a high-pressure, high-volume striker who can work in some jujitsu on the ground and maybe some ground and pound if she squeaks out a takedown. She is well-rounded. She's constantly moving forward. She does not slow down. She is effective in the clinch. She's effective standing and off of her back. She has a lot of experience, but she will make some mistakes in fights. She's coming off that loss to Karolina Kovashevich where she went two for two in takedown attempts, but she was a step behind in the striking. That is a quality loss, though. A very good. Karolina Kovashevich is a very good fighter, so that was a quality loss. This is the second fight in a row where Molly McCann is entering the octagon as a tremendous favorite. And let's all hope that this fight goes better than her last one did. The problem with Molly is that even though she is in the largest MMA organization in the world, she almost has zero jiu-jitsu skills whatsoever. She can work in some offensive takedowns, but she cannot seem to defend submission attempts. If you work through Molly's UFC record, all five of her losses were to good grapplers. Luckily for her, Diana is not a very good grappler. Sure, she's got some takedowns, but that's where it ends. Molly should be able to dominate this fight by just making it a dirty, ugly slugfest. So she should win this fight just slugging it out in the pocket, keeping it nasty. But that 43% takedown defense is going to need to be there because Deanna will shoot takedowns. I just mentioned she took down Carolina twice. Molly is going to be the pick. I think she's going to win this fight, but hopefully everybody learned their lesson betting on Molly McCann in these favorite spots. And Deanna Belbita is not terrible. 
I mean, she's actually pretty well-rounded. She's the more... I would argue she's the more well-rounded fighter in this matchup. The only reason I'm picking Molly is because Molly will stay in her face, punch hard, grind down, and I think Tiana needs to be the one like keeping it technical, and I think you can out-brawl her. So Molly's going to be the pick, but again, no money on this. Just let this one slide. But speaking of money, I've been doling it out, just doling out money with the safety parlay. The safety parlay continues to be the shining star of stability, in this space, I have hit eight of the last nine safety parlays. It hits at a 70% win percentage, and the lifetime ROI of the safety parlay is 29%. That is return on investment. 29% ROI, betting on the most volatile sport in this world, is something to be proud of, and I am very proud of it. You can unlock the safety parlay right now for UFC Vegas 85 at wewantpicks.com. Just click become a member at the top. It's only $10 a month, and you're not just going to get this. You're going to get tools, bets, insight, eight analysts worth of information, all of that stuff included in that $10. Wewantpicks.com. Just click become a member at the top. Then we have the main card opener. This is a pretty good main card opener. We got Gilbert Urbina taking on Charles Ratke or Charlie Ratke, depending on where his name is listed. But Gilbert Rabin is a high-paced guy. He's a good grappler. He's competent on his feet as well. Very high striking output of more than six significant strikes landed per minute. But if you do watch his fights, it's clear he doesn't have striking defense. He just loves moving forward, and he will get hit while doing that. He sets a great pace. He's got plenty of cardio. He can keep whatever pace he wants for however long that he wants to. He's coming off that knockout win over Orion Kose, where his striking was on point. And he was able to get two takedowns. He's taking on Charlie Ratke. This guy's an athletic grappler. He's going to lower his level, take very real shots, immediately start working for a position. He's very controlled on the ground and very dangerous. He hunts for submissions and transitions. And then he will stick with them. He will hang out with control. He will stay nice and leveled. But then all of a sudden, he'll make a weird decision and pull a guillotine or chase something that's not there. He does tend to slow down as fights go on, and he can be very hittable, but he throws with power, and he is very tough. He's coming off that very close win over Mike Mathetha, where he shocked the world in his post-fight interview. And this is actually a close fight. Despite Gilbert being a good offensive wrestler, his takedown defense is not good. Charlie will be looking to exploit that, and as we saw in his last fight, Charlie has no issues just diving at legs, being boring to squeak out a win. Gilbert's going to be the pick here because I think the cardio is going to separate these two, but I want to see Gilbert set an early pace that Charlie's not going to be able to keep up with. Gilbert is the pick. I do have little Gilby boy in a parlay. I am I am that confident in him, but as I ranted and raved earlier, I've only got the one bet on Gilbert, and it is that parlay because I don't want to be overly exposed. Charlie Ratke is decent and couldn't squeak something out, and Gilbert's... My biggest concern for Gilbert here is the takedown defense. He can be taken down. And if Charlie shoots first, he could take Gilbert down. And now Gilbert's scrambling, trying to work his way back up. And that's just not where we need Gilbert. We need Gilbert in Charlie's face, moving forward, keeping the pace going, and just staying as busy as possible. Then we have uh, Alishkab Krizaev taking on Mahmoud Maradov. Alishkab, damn it, I was... Oh, so close. And the last time I broke this down, I said it perfectly. I bragged. I said I could teach Arabic. And then I just, I collapsed on myself. It's the pressure. It's getting to me. Alashkab Krizhaev, Krizhiv, pretty hyped middleweight prospect. He fights exactly the way you would expect him to with that beard and that lack of mustache. He's a powerful grappler. He'll throw big, heavy stripes on his feet. And he's got relentless wrestling. Wrestling? Is that Lisp coming back? Relentless wrestling and incredible top pressure on the ground. He has fantastic submissions as well, and he's not just looking for a wrestling decision. He will stay busy and look for a finish. He likes to come forward. He likes to set a pace, and he likes to get it to the ground to find those finishes. He's coming off that second-round submission over Dennis Tululin, where a lot of people are going to talk about, well, he, I mean, Dennis looked pretty good in that fight early, and, Den you know, and I actually don't disagree with any of that. It was a lot closer than it should have been. But I personally think that's just, you know, UFC-type jitter. Showing up, getting a good opponent, sort of dealing with all of that. But it was a much closer fight than people thought it was going to be. 
up until the submission. He's taking on Mahmoud Muradov. Mahmoud Muradov is a very good boxer. He's got very nice kicks, solid fundamentals, and is very clean with his technique. His striking differential is a solid 4-2. to two. His wrestling offense is 66%, and he ties it all out with takedown defense of 77%. He's coming off the decision win over Brian Barbarena, where he had 13. Team takedowns and two knockdowns. And while that sounds and looks like domination, it also means you have no control whatsoever. You're not taking somebody down 13 times if they didn't stand up 12. And Muradov is a good-sized underdog right now. And I have a feeling he's going to be a lot of people's favorite underdog for this card, but I personally am going to disagree. Of course, he's a good striker, and now we know he's got some solid wrestling. He's always had some good submission defense, but I think Krishayev is a different animal. I think he's going to come forward, swing hard, get Muradov to the ground without any issue. Even if Muradov survives the early submission attempts, I think we can trust Krishayev to just grind and shoot, grind and shoot for 15 full minutes without slowing down at all. Krishayev is the pick, and I am very confident in him to win this fight. Then we have Vivian Arujo taking on Natalia Silva. This is actually a pretty good fight. We have a finisher versus a very technically sound decision fighter. We got Vivian Arujo. She's the finisher. She's a grappler who's very comfortable striking as well. She's got technical boxing, great low kicks, but she does get hit. She's got a negative striking differential. She's athletic. She's fast. She's always looking for a finish, both standing and on the ground, but their conditioning can be an issue for her later in rounds because of that pressure. The fact that she's always looking for a finish slows her down later. She averages almost two takedowns per fight. She has an impressive 77% takedown defense, and she's coming off that decision win over Jennifer Maya, where she landed half the strikes, but she had seven minutes of control. She's taking on Natalia Silva. Natalia Silva is a well-rounded fighter who is fun to watch. She has what seems like a brawling style, where she's just winging punches from her hips, but she also will work in some spinning attacks and takedowns, and I say seems like because her striking is very technical. She does a good job baiting opponents into her world before she does what she wants to do. She's got some solid upper body takedowns as well, and then good control on top. She is very powerful for this division, and we have seen her not only win by knockout, but also knockout in the third round, which means that she carries her power very late into these fights. Natalia Silva might be that girl. She might be a top five fighter in this division. She's 4-0 in the UFC. She has looked incredible in every single fight. We saw her out-wrestle Jasmine Jazzadevicious, that same Jasmine Jazzadevicious who literally set records in her last fight. She out-wrestled her. She outstruck Andrea Lee. And why Andrea Lee is not in top five ranked opponent, we can all recognize Andrew Lee's a pretty good striker and Natalia Silva had no issues outstriking her. And she finished her other two opponents. So it's hard for me to even balance this out. I'm obviously very high in Natalia Silva. It's hard for me to even say, well, she's got to be careful because, I don't know, because what? I think her footwork's going to be way better than Vivian's. I think she'll be able to avoid all the nonsense, avoid whatever power comes her way. And as long as her feet keep doing what they're supposed to do, she'll be able to defend the takedowns. That 92% takedown defense that held up with Jasmine, it'll hold up with Vivi. I think Natalia Silva absolutely gets it done. Then we have the featured fight of the evening. We have Randy Brown taking on Muslim Salikov in a new addition to this card. This fight was added, I think, three weeks ago. So not insanely new addition to the card, but new enough that neither one of these guys got a full training camp. We got Randy Brown. This guy is a very long and tall striker. He is six foot three at 170 pounds. He is six foot three and he uses that range really well. He takes full advantage of that reach. He's got long jabs, long kicks, and he does all of it to keep you at bay. When he is ready to exchange, He's going to use his speed and come back into the pocket to initiate some boxing. He has nine takedowns in the UFC. And while he doesn't go to them often, he has nice trips, solid jiu-jitsu on the match. He's very good and a lot of fun to watch. He's coming off that bounce back win over Wellington Terman, where he won the striking and the grappling exchanges. He's taking on tried and true vet. 
39-year-old Muslim Salikov. This guy's a solid striker who hits very hard, and he also has some wrestling. He holds nothing back, and almost every single strike that he throws is a significant strike. He has really good takedown defense, solid takedown offense, and very, very good striking. He's coming up that loss to Nicholas Dalby, where he did land more total strikes and had two takedowns, but he was backing up and gave up more than six minutes of control. Muslim's always going to be dangerous. Every fight that he's in, he is dangerous. But he's slowing down. He's pushing 40 years old. He's losing his cardio. He doesn't seem to have the sting on his punches anymore. I think Randy can play the outside game for a bit, work in a takedown or two to solidify rounds. He should be able, should, nothing's a guarantee, but he should be able to avoid the power shots and out-technique the aging vet. Randy Brown's going to be the pick. I'm pretty confident in him, but you just never know when you get some of these high-level guys in that octagon what's going to happen. Then we have our co-main event of the evening. We have Hanato Moicano coming back after a year away to take on Drew Dober. Hanato Moicano is a very high-level BJJ guy. He's a technical striker. He doesn't have very stoppage power, but he does have some good volume sets and nice pace. The concern for Hanato is his chin. While Moicano can hang with the better strikers, just technique for technique, his chin does not always hold up to that test. He averages almost two takedowns per fight with a 46% accuracy. And as we saw in his fight with Brad Riddell, he doesn't always need to shoot takedowns to work in a scramble or snatch up a submission. He's taking on Drew Dober. This guy's a fun take one to give one striker with one of the best chins in MMA. He's got nice power and a willingness to brawl. He is technically sound, but that does not stop him from getting wild. He only has a 56% takedown defense, but he does such a good job baiting people into firefights and people have success striking with him. They get a false sense of confidence. Like, oh, I'm landing punches. I don't need to wrestle this guy. And then he blasts them and knocks them out cold. He's coming off that bounce back knockout win over Ricky Glenn where he needed fewer than three minutes to get back to his winning ways. Right now, Hanato Moicano is a minus 145 favorite. I get it. He's a technical striker. He's a dangerous grappler. But he is chinny. He gets hit a lot. And he hasn't fought in a year. I think Drew can do what he does, which is create a brawl-type situation, bait his opponent into striking with him, and then put somebody down. Moicano is probably the more technically sound fighter across the board, but I'm still going with Drew here. I can trust Drew's tin, especially in this matchup. Hanato's not going to knock out Drew Dober. So then it's just going to come down to, can Drew Dober keep this on his feet? And even if he can't, I'm hoping his submission defense is there. He can scramble back up and continue to brawl. Hanato Moicano's first time in an octagon in over a year. Drew Dober, while he did get put down by Matt Frivola, Matt Frivola and Hanato Moicano hit very differently. Drew Dober's going to be the pick. I do have a half a unit bet on him at plus 125. We'll see when the props drop, if I'll do anything else there, because it is only half a unit. But, you know, Hanato Moicano is very good, so... Take that pick with caution. And then we have the main event of the evening. We have Roman Delize taking on Nasruddin Imovov. I love Roman Delize. I think I have literally picked him to win in every single one of his fights. So I've been wrong twice. One time was a robbery. He beat Trevin Giles. But the other time he lost that fight. And that's what's concerning in this matchup. Because Roman Delize is a world champion grappler. He has showcased those world championship skills more than once. And despite always being the better grappler in his matchups, he has no problem just marching forward, throwing bombs, and getting stuck in a striking match. He has very real power. He does tend to chase, though. And Delize is a very well-rounded fighter. He can knock you out. He can submit you. But his game plans cannot be trusted, and that was evident in his last fight against Marvin Vittori, where he only attempted one takedown. What are you doing? You can beat Marvin Vittori on the ground. No problem. Marvin Vittori is a very good grappler when he's the one shooting takedowns. You should have gotten on top. You should have grinded forward. Yeah, stay busy with the striking, but try to take that guy down. That was a very disappointing loss, and you can see I'm still holding on to that. He's taking on Nasruddin Imovol. This guy's a busy striker who constantly works forward, constantly working towards his opponents, and he can strike and counter-strike 
while moving forward, which is impressive. He has a nice jab, solid elbows, and he looks very comfortable when mixing it up. He has takedowns and solid control when he wants to use them, and he averages about one takedown per fight, and he just took down Chris Curtis three times in that no contest last summer. And as we all know, that is not the easiest thing to do. Chris Curtis has some phenomenal takedown defense. This is a very good main event. This is a great matchup. And this could really dictate who gets the next title shot or who's up for a title shot soon. My gut reaction anytime to leads a fight is that he is going to win. I find it hard to pick against a guy with submission skills and power like him. We even watched him get taken down by Phil Hawes with a beautiful duck under, and Delizze basically broke that dude's knee in half instantly. He did the same to Jack Hermanson. I want to pick him here so badly, but I don't know if I can trust him. I don't think he can win this fight striking. He needs to grapple, but as, as we saw in that last fight against Marvin Vittori, we cannot always trust him to grapple. Why didn't he grapple Marvin Vittori more? If I knew for a fact Roman Delize would come forward, bomb, shoot, bomb, shoot, he would be the pick every single time. The problem is, at this point, I can't trust him to do those things. And if he's just going to be in a striking match with Nasruddin Imovov, Roman's going to have far more power, but Nasruddin's going to be able to pick and move and pick and move and dance and move and pick and move. Nasruddin's going to be the pick. Delize could absolutely pull off a finish here, which is why the bet when it drops, will be Roman Delize inside the distance decision, no action. That means I will get paid if Roman finds Nasruddin's chin. I will get paid if Roman somehow on the ground ends up pulling off a submission. But if this is a decision loss for Roman, which it should be, or most likely will be, I'll get a full refund on that bet. Roman is insanely tough, and he could absolutely win this fight outright. Absolutely. So I'm going to do inside the distance decision, no action on Roman Delize, but the pick will be Nasruddin Imovov because I think he's going to win this fight by decision. If you want to see that bet, the minute I place it, make sure you have linked your Discord to your account page on premium. Just click on account. There's a big ass button there that says link Discord, link your Discord. The very second that we place bets, you will get an alert on your phone. Guys, that is the breakdown. And you just watched my breakdown for this fight. You didn't see Jacobs. You didn't see Artems. You didn't see running mounts. You didn't see the MMA minutes. And if you want to see their picks and their bets and their round line leans, become a premium member. That premium membership is going to give you eight analysts worth of picks, bets, and insight. It's also going to get you tools. One of those tools is the detailed data metrics and analytics. This is 38 columns of information that you can use to find spots or scare yourself away from spots. You're also going to get the line movement tracker. This is going to give you opening odds, the current odds, the win probability, and the line movement for every single fighter on every single card. And as I mentioned, you're going to get far more than just me. You're going to get MMA Minute, Running Mouth MMA, Artem, who breaks down way more than just UFC, and the Pick Doctor, who has developed an AI that picks fights solely off of data. All this, so much more. We want picks.com. Click become a member at the top. It is only $10 a month.